0: Hello listeners, here we are once again with Atisha, part 2 of 3. For those of you who missed the first part, Atisha was an Indian monk from the Nalanda school who went across the Himalayas to Tibet to take Buddhism and all that Mahayana Buddhism stands for in terms of mind training. And that is very, very beneficial for the Tibetans. And when they came back to India um, in the 1960s, they brought back with them all this wisdom, a lot of which is Vedic and a lot of which is um, uh, from what the Buddha perceived through his own uh, experiments with enlightenment and awakening. So there were 15 verses that Atisha spoke off, and uh, we covered four of them in reasonable detail in the first episode. Here's the next one. He says that the supreme conduct is to be in disharmony with the world. Now, this is a very interesting one because in a sense in our modern complex day-to-day lives there are a few gurus like Warren Buffet who say similar things? That when everybody else is selling, that's the time to buy. Um, if you if you hear the original recording by Earl Nightingale of the Strangest Secret in the World, he says that the problem with humanity today is that of conformity. That's why more people are not successful because they just wish to conform. And this, in a sense, was said 1500 years ago. He says that if we are in conformity, we have just not understood. The way of the world is projected by, by by others, let's say the media and others values, is the way of suffering. And that is why the Sangha, which is the, the company of like-minded people, uh, which is a small minority is critical. And with that sangha, you must be in harmony. But remember that that is always a minority. So you can apply this to life. You can apply this to business. Know that the way of the world, the way of nature is that it is the minority that stays in harmony, but is in disharmony with the population in general. The next, he says, the supreme remedy is to know that nothing has any self-nature. Now, this is the remedy for psychological pain and for pain of all sorts. Because you can let go. Nothing has self-nature. You can drop it. To do so, you have to know that it does not exist by itself, it is not real. Let's take an example here. Now let us say that uh, we are inflicted with an emotion that is that of anger. I repeat the verse to you, the supreme remedy is to know that nothing has any self nature. Now if we look at the anger in its abstraction and we analyze what is its nature, we will find that anger per se is neither solid nor liquid nor gas. Anger is not composed of atoms, anger is not composed of uh, any other types of compounds that we can lay our hands on scientifically, even if you go beyond the realm of what science can measure, anger has not come about without any cause or any condition. If you are experiencing it, it is because it is some cause or it is some mix of conditions that invoked it in you. Think about it, if those conditions had not come together that way, would you be angry? If those causes were not in the way that you perceived they were, would you be angry? Maybe you're angry because you've had a flat tire. Now, let's say, because of this, the meeting that you were to go to, Is delayed and that's what uh, or you are delayed for the meeting and that's what's making you angry. Now let's say that by evening you realize that that meeting had got cancelled and so all the anger that you had with the flat tire was fruitless futile because there was no meeting to go to. Then you would find that there was no reason to be angry about it. Maybe at that very moment when you discovered the flat tyre, you could have made a call and checked what's the status of the meeting and when they said no we've called it off, then you would very peacefully get your tyre repaired instead of all the anger. So that's the aspect of self nature that we're talking about and nothing absolutely has any self nature. What about this <laughs> is the uh, essence of Buddhist philosophy because uh, it takes us into very deep concepts of the emptiness of everything because everything arises because of something else. So nothing is inherently there. But it's it's a beautiful concept. The seventh verse, he says the supreme accomplishment is the continuous decrease of disturbing emotions, that is so beautiful. We are all here in this world to accomplish something, we really want to do things and we are proving things to each other and we are just getting busy being busy. But the supreme accomplishment is the continuous decrease of disturbing emotions. I took anger as an example and I'd like to continue with that because it is a disturbing emotion. Your entire day went out of whack because of that. Because of the emotion that arose because of the flat tire but not just the flat tire because it impeded your presence at a meeting which didn't happen. So if you can have continuous decrease Of the disturbing emotion arising and the disturbing emotions intensity you would progressively be a person of great achievement. Other disturbing emotions are like greed, aggression, arrogance, pride, comparisons, jealousy, envy, all of which are related they arise from each other But what we must do is check how we respond to all these stimuli. It's a self-test. And what we must know is that uh, if other people are uh, the causes and conditions for such things to arise, because that's how it usually is, you're comparing with others, you're aggressive with others, you pride, you hold pride because of others and jealousy as well. So let's let's say that those other people are the dough that uh, that you you sort of get trapped in, you know. You're kneading the dough and you get stuck inside it. But Atisha, because he had this bent of mind of uh, the Buddha Dharma, the the way, the practice. He said that the Dharma is like the East and when the East goes into the dome, then everything rises. You rise. So you've got to look at the Dharma as the East and take it to all those people that cause all these uh, emotions to arise. And instead of the emotions arising, you will rise just as the bread does. Interesting analogy, and uh, easy, easy to say, uh, easy to visualize, but uh, could take a lifetime of practice to do. But that is why it is the supreme accomplishment. And then he says that the eighth one is that the supreme sign of accomplishment. Uh, accomplishment. So one was the supreme accomplishment itself, but the supreme sign of accomplishment, that you are on the path, is the continuous decrease of wishes and wants. Now we are getting into an area where we are talking about the minimalistic life, the simple life, the, the lowering of desire. Because the Buddha stated in the second noble truth that desire is the cause of all suffering. The first truth being that there is suffering, an acknowledgement of suffering. And then the suffering has a cause which is desire. So the more we drink salty water, the thirstier we become. The more we go after possessions of could be material things but could also be of opinions. This is my opinion, this is how I feel, this is my idea. The more we are attached. those wishes and wants of possessing the thirstier we would become. What we have to start looking at is how to delight in simplicity. Sometimes what happens is that we are not the ones who own things. The things own us. And that's what we have to check for. Is this something that I have to make some function that I do easier? Or is this something that completely possesses me and without it I am not the same person anymore? I have disturbing emotions as a consequence. It is the desire, the want, the wish to be contributing at that meeting which made the flat tire re- arise the disturbing emotion. So, the supreme sign of accomplishment is the continuous decrease of wishes and wants. And it just follows logically, hopefully, with these examples. And then he says that the supreme teacher is the one who exposes our hidden flaws. This is again, very, very interesting. The teacher is like a coach. They can see and point to what we don't see. You can't see the back of your head, but the teacher can. But what we must do is trust that they understand us better than we do ourselves. And having that trust, that the persons around us can see the back of our head better than we can, we must be open that anyone can teach us and be grateful to them. Because anyone has the ability to expose the hidden flaws. And once you turn the switch around that way, then Your disturbing emotions convert into gratitude because ordinarily the dough, the other people would expose your flaws and that would lead to anger or pride being hurt or envy or some such thing, aggression. But if you Flip the switch and say that that is teaching us something about me that I didn't realize. So this is actually, this person who's pointing this out is actually my teacher. There is gratitude for the teacher and there is a a kind of setting that we get on a path where we say, okay. I can make progress with this, I can change things around. So let me stop here for today and take the last set in the next episode, next week. I hope you're having a good time with this. Reflect on them, if you haven't gone through the part 1, do that too. Now We'll meet soon.